ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for What Do You Call It Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is the current Caribbean champion, AirPod God and my most marketable guest that I've had on What Do You Call It podcast. He is Richard Holiday. How are you doing today, sir? Hope the intro is better than Alicia's the other week. Today, just like every day in Richard Holiday's life, is fantastic. I'm glad to hear. So I enjoyed seeing you uh, retain the title uh, last week uh, against uh, Gino Medina. I just want to know, what is it about that heavyweight championship, the Caribbean heavyweight championship? What does it mean to you? after you replaced wrestling legend Savio Vega. Yeah, really a hard-fought matchup against the, the very undynastic Gino Medina. Even though he is undynastic, he is a hell of a wrestler. So mm. he pushed me to my limits, but of course, the Caribbean champion comes out on top as always. And the Caribbean championship is so unique right now in the landscape of pro wrestling. I, if you think about it, it really was just a Puerto Rican hunk of metal when, when Savio had it. There wasn't much buzz around it. There wasn't much talk about it. Mm. And then now that I have done a litany of media interviews talking about the Caribbean championship, it's always the most talked about topic. So it has to be, you know, to my educated estimation, the most talked about championship in pro wrestling right now. I would put it up against any other championship from any other company, from the prestige and the buzz that I've put around this championship. and. I take 100% of the credit for that. I do believe your consumers will agree with you on that one. And uh, just before we do talk about what got you into wrestling and your career, why do you refer to fans as consumers and not fans? Well, that's what they are, consumers. You know, a consumer is one that puts money into the market. So think about that. Anybody who is streaming, paying for a streaming platform or is buying a ticket at, at, at the gate, they're a consumer. They're putting money into the wrestling market. The wrestling industry is a market in its own. You know, it's just like the produce industry or it's like the paper towel industry or it's like the car industry, right? Mm -hmm. You're a consumer. You know, everybody's a consumer. You know, you go to the coffee shop, you buy a coffee, you're a consumer. If you buy a car, you're a consumer. If you buy a wrestling ticket, why are you any different? Can't argue that. I will happily call myself a consumer. So, what made you a fan of wrestling? Well... From a young age, I was always drawn to professional wrestling. I was always enamored by it. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that was in my household when I was young. I attached to it. Like I said, it was just something that followed me ever, ever since. I think that there was a brief period in time in life where I wasn't so in tune with professional wrestling, probably around the time where, you know, I was finishing up high school or, or starting my collegiate football career. But, you know, shortly after that, I transitioned back into professional wrestling and started my training, of course. And here I am today. Okay. And not only were you a fan of wrestling, uh, you actually just mentioned it as well uh, about football. Um, do you feel that because you, you played football and have a degree in marketing, it sort of helped you uh, sort of beneficial to the wrestler that you are today and how you conduct yourself? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Yeah. I think that they're both transitional mm. and both transformational as well. You know, getting a degree in marketing, that is real life. I really do have a degree in marketing. It's not just something that I made up. I understand marketing. To me, it's always the most important form of business because that's your outreach. That's how you reach your consumers. If you don't have a good marketing campaign or if your marketing you know, is lackluster, then consumers are going to go elsewhere. Yeah, They're going to purchase elsewhere. Or in my case scenario, they're going to be a consumer for somebody else. Uh, and that's not ultimately what I want. 
So, you know, I want to drive business towards me. And, you know, under the flagship of Major League Wrestling, I want to drive business towards them. And that's my job. And then in terms of uh, football, of course, you know, professional wrestling is one of the most athletic things that you could possibly do. It takes a very certain type of athlete to excel at professional wrestling, right? A lot of people get into pro wrestling and they're not so good athletes. And I think that's why that they don't really excel to the level that they aspire to excel to. And football, of course, one of the hardest sports in the world. And for me, that, you know, that gave me footwork, balance, strength, everything that I need in order to be successful, especially with my style of professional wrestling. Mm. And we, and the style that you do have, um, I just want to know, how is it that you did actually discover Paul Roman's wrestling school, the Paradise Alley uh, Professional Wrestling School? Well, funny enough, it actually opened up two blocks uh, from my childhood home. You know, it was just kind of happenstance. It was kind of meant to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Paul, Paul is from the Connecticut area. And, you know, he linked up with a couple other guys from the Connecticut area and opened up a school. And I was the first student. It was actually just me and Paul in an abandoned warehouse quite some time. And I got some one-on-one knowledge with him, which is invaluable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't put a price tag on that. So I really like the way that my journey started out. It's a lot different than other people. Yeah. Most people, they go, to a, they go to a wrestling school and there's 20, 30 classmates. I didn't have that. It was just me. Okay. That does explain a lot, especially how your style in the ring, how smooth you are. Uh, I do I do genuinely believe that Paul Roma is criminally underrated. Um, and as you were his first student, do you still keep in contact with him? Absolutely. I saw him last night. You know, Paul has a very special place in my life and he always will. Yeah. And, you know, the Paradise Eye Professional Wrestling School, I can't give them enough credit. You know, look at the superstars that they churned out. So anybody who's aspiring to get into pro wrestling and you live in the tri-state area, or even if you want to move, I mean, PAPW, I can't, I can't put my stamp on it enough. Okay, cool. Would you potentially have him as a manager one day? Um, if you were in recruitment mode, um, possibly in the when, when I do, when I do go into recruitment mode, you know, Paul would be an interesting choice for the dynasty. I think he would fit right in. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's at a stage in his life where he wants to, uh, get back into the swing of things but of course we would never deny a legend like paul roma no man that'd be very very good to say genuine fan of him so you've been for mlw since 2018 so you've been there for a good couple of years now how did you get there well interestingly enough mlw started doing uh shows outside of florida and the first one that they wanted to do was in new york city and we had been in contact about potentially coming down to florida but They said, well, you know what? You live in Connecticut. We're coming to New York in a month. Why don't we just make this easier on the both of us? And we'll do the New York show. And I did that show. I impressed them so much that a contract was offered to me the next time I was there. Mm -hmm. And it really was that simple. I wish I could give you this really elaborate answer about how I, you know, scratched and clawed and Mm -hmm. did all these things and knocked on doors. That's not it. They saw talent that could be a needle mover in the industry. I saw a place that I thought would be perfect for my presentation. Mm-hmm. MLW and Richard Holiday have been cohesively working together ever since, and I'm kind of a ground floor employee if you think about it, right? Like they did the they did the uh, the reboot, the relaunch of the league, you know, for a couple of months prior to my arrival. But really, think about the escalator that we've been on right now, and I've been along mm-hmm. for that ride. And uh, the ride's still going, but we are going to talk about what's happening. So, what's been happening in the ride, and take a just a step back a little bit. And I want to know, why did you form an alliance with MJF of all people on the roster? What was it about him that gravitated you towards Maxwell Jacob Friedman? Well, 
I think that we gravitated towards each other pretty easily, right? I mean, we're two mm. type A alpha male, alpha male personalities. And most people would think that we would be oil and water, but we were quite the opposite. We were able to kind of our desire to both be in the spotlight to the side for the betterment of the dynasty. And then you, you throw in somebody like Alex Hammerstone, mm. who is an absolute star. And now you have the most talked about faction of all professional wrestling. And I think that the dynasty, even though we were only together for a very short stint, about a year, it was, we left an imprint on pro wrestling forever. Mm. And what was it like to win the World Tag Team Championship with him? Well, that was a, that was a big moment, especially for me in my career, mm. you know, to, to have that moment where I pulled down the championships in Chicago in front of a sold-out arena of consumers, uh, a wild arena of consumers, I might add. Mm. That was a pivotal part of my career, my trajectory of in, within Major League Wrestling. And that title reign was historic. People still talk about it to this day. Mm, that's weird talking about it right now. So I had to ask that as well. We what is it, because you do marketing, I just want to know, what is it that makes, well, made the dynasty at the time when it was you, Hammerstein, and yourself, uh, sorry, and MJF, what is it that made you a unique faction? Well, we were, again, three type A alpha male personalities, all who crave the spotlight, all who deserve the spotlight. But we were all so different from each other, right? We all offered something a little bit different to the table. Nobody was exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And I think consumers gravitated towards that because A, we're wildly entertaining. B, we're fantastic professional wrestlers. C, we're extraordinary athletes. And D, we're all extremely good looking. So to have all of those attributes all in one, rolled all together, and to form the dynasty, it's must-see TV. Mm -hmm. And it was must-see TV, and it still is must-see TV. And anybody who's unfamiliar with the dynasty, you must live under a rock um, or just have no access to cable or the internet. But either or, go ahead and, and look up these past videos from the dynasty. I mean, we just did some things that were wild. and Tore up. Yeah, of course we did. We won every championship that, that was presented in front of us. Mm. And we just completely owned MLW in terms of the ratings. Okay. Uh, because you are a specialist marketing as well, uh, I want to ask this. Why would a consumer choose to watch MLW? Uh, I know the easy answer would be me, but if you had to give them another reason, if they literally lived under a rock and they've only just got into wrestling and they were looking for an option, what company or what show to watch, why would they choose MLW? Of course. I mean, easy answers are still answers, right? At the end of the day, you get to watch Richard Holiday and Hammerstone. Uh, the dynasty running wild each and every week on Fusion. But the cool part about MLW, and I'm a huge advocate for the company as well, mm -hmm. not just myself, I'm not that selfish, is the fact that we really are a Fusion. We offer so many different styles of wrestling, from Lucha Libre to hardcore to, to technical to powerhouse to Japanese strong style, whatever the case may be. We have that style of wrestling for you. And if you watch one hour of Fusion, you might see a few different angles of professional wrestling that you might not be accustomed to from seeing on different shows. So, you know, we're now on Vice TV, we're on DAZN, we're on YouTube, we're on, you know, BN Sports, FUBU Sports, so many different platforms that you could watch mm. Major League Wrestling. Uh, your eyeballs need to be gravitated towards that because it's so easy to find us. And once you watch us, you will be hooked. It's a good answer. And that's one I've been watching it for a while now, and I just, you know, that I mean, I'm not part of talent, but as a fan, there is just so much variety there, and um, obviously being a fan of yours as well. So, you know, I think you'd be an idiot not to watch MLW. What are you most proud of in your career so far in MLW? Within MLW, I have to say it's the way that I've risen 
the Caribbean Championship to, you know, heights just completely unimaginable. Mm. You know, I imagined it because I knew what I can do with that championship. But I think to the outside consumer, the outside perspective, I don't think that they thought that the Caribbean Championship was anything more than a prop, anything more than, you know, just something that was just on the show. But I took it and made it a main event caliber championship. Mm. You know, it is officially sanctioned by MLW. I've had official championship matches against the likes of the undynastic Gino Medina. I whipped Savio Vega in a legendary strap match with this championship. Mm -hmm. What else can I do with this? I think that there's a lot of room for growth. There's so much more potential to do with this Caribbean championship. I mean, who knows? Maybe Jacob Fatu will say, well, I don't want the heavyweight championship anymore. I want the Caribbean championship because that's the championship that the consumers are talking about. That's the money championship. So you make it sort of like the Intercontinental Championship at one point when it was, you had the wing eagle belt, but most people were more focused on the Intercontinental because it just, there was more prestige to it. And uh, would you want to defend the title, uh, let's say internationally, UK, maybe Japan? I, I would absolutely accept, you know, accepting the championship, you know, under conditions that I find, you know, appropriate. And it would have to be in a big market city. You know, I'm not just going to defend my championship in some low life dump in Puerto Rico or something like that. But, you know, if Corinthian Hall in, in Japan would like it or, you know, Wembley Stadium in the UK or something like that, sure. Of course, I'd go ahead and, and defend my Caribbean championship because I'm a fighting champion. And I understand that championships are made to be defended. They're mm -hmm. not made to be collecting dust on, on, on a trophy shelf or anything like that. So, yeah, let's take the Caribbean championship internationally. I mean, of course, it is an international championship as it is. So. I think that would be apropos. That's good, man. If the offer's right, you'll, you'll listen to it. So I know you're a big coffee guy. I want to know, what is your favourite type of coffee? I thought I'd just ask, instead of boring questions, like, what's your favourite match of all time and that sort of thing? What's your yeah. favourite type of coffee? Yeah, I could talk about coffee for quite some time. And it, it all depends on my mood. It also depends on the time of the day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to start the day, it is always a hot black coffee. I just think that's the best way to get the metabolism going, get the brain functioning, get mm. the cobwebs off from a good night's rest. I think a hot black coffee is the way to go. Now, if we're talking summertime, springtime, you know, in the afternoon, I might venture out for a venti iced Americano from Starbucks. It always does the trick. Mm -hmm. If it is the weekend, you know, maybe I'm going towards an espresso-based beverage where um, I never drink dairy and I also never put cream in my coffee. However, espresso-based beverages are different. Right. So lattes, cappuccinos, cortados, flat white. These are espresso based beverages. They're not made with coffee. People need to understand that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just aren't educated on the subject. So in terms of coffee, I like my coffee black. That's how I drink it. But in terms of espresso based, you know, I will go for a latte or I like cortados because they're not too overwhelmingly uh, amount of, of uh, dairy free milk that I use. Mm -hmm. There's so many different options. It, it, it's really a mood-based beverage, and that's the fun thing about coffee to me, coffee and espresso. And where are some of your favorite places? I know you just mentioned Starbucks, um, but let's talk maybe cities. You know, If you're going to the city for a show, what have been some of your favorite places to go for coffee? Maybe some that are unique and only they will sell it. Right. So when I, one of the cool things about professional wrestling is it does afford you to travel throughout mm -hmm. the country and, and internationally, of course. Um, I didn't get any coffee in Mexico because I do not trust the water. However, I do get coffee in other parts of the country. So, you know, Dallas, Texas, there's a place called Roots Coffee House, which is fantastic. Um, San Diego, California has Portal Coffee, which is really at the top of the list. Philadelphia has Ox Coffee, which is tremendous. Um, and I probably will be revisiting that when we go back to Philadelphia. 
in July for our first show in front of consumers, which is going to be great. Um, you know, New York City has Remy Coffee and Flower, which is a part coffee shop, part flower shop, which is really beautiful. Uh, there's so many brilliant coffee shops out there. I can go on for days. Mm. That's good. I thought I'd ask because the consumers may be interested. I, I would like to think they would be. So if the consumers listening, I like to think I'm a consumer as well. There's some of the places you can go to. I know I actually heard, correct me if I'm wrong, that you are a big American Office fan. So there must be strange for someone else saying American Office. Um, but the American Office TV show, I just want to know who's your favorite character of it. Yeah, I think that The Office is a legendary show. I like how you call it The American Office because the British version is just absolutely terrible. The American Office, um, I'm going to have to say that my favorite character is Ryan. Uh, interest, interestingly enough, I think that his facial expressions and his timing on the show is impeccable and really underrated. Um, in, you know, I'm not a big Jim guy. You know, Jim was, you know, the Jim Pan storyline for me is just not one that I was really too invested to. Uh, Michael Scott is the easy answer, right? That's like saying mm. that Jordan's the best basketball player of all time. Like, obviously, Michael Scott's the funniest character, of course. But Ryan, Ryan is my favorite character. Him or Robert California. Robert California, I think, is vastly underrated. Good answers, man. I'm going to be part of the... Uh, basically, I, I was going to say Michael Scott for my answers, so, yeah. But uh, I'm boring. That's who I am, but I love the show. And I can't believe you said that about the British version, the original version, by the way. But uh, you're my guest, and uh, I don't want to get a black eye. Yeah, it's, so. it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the original version, sure. They did come up with the concept. Thank you. But it was perfected uh, by America. It is one of the shows you've taken from us, and I do think you did a better job. I think you've got more time with it we as did. well. But um, it's a fantastic show. Never thought I'd ever talk. Uh, to a wrestler about the office but it's great that's what makes the show special and why you are probably the most well I'm, guest. I'm more th i'm more than just a wrestler right there's mm. so many wrestlers out there who are just wrestlers you need to be multifaceted you need, you need to be diverse you know people need to have depth yeah. and depth is something that i think goes back to to me getting the degree right like it, it, it takes a lot of depth for a person to earn something like that so you know wrestling is great i love wrestling it's obviously the biggest part of my life mm. But I do have depth, and, and, and people should be able to talk about things more than just professional wrestling. Has there been, just as I'm wrapping this up, has there been any veterans, obviously you know about Paul Roma, um, basically training you. Has there been any other veterans that have sort of pulled you aside, giving you some really good advice that you've taken along the journey? Jim Cornette, maybe? Because I know he's a big fan of you. Yeah, I've, you know, there's, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to be around people who have, you know, been in this business longer than I have and have mm. been successful and, you know, there's been so many people that have, you know, helped me along the way. And, you know, Jim Cornette is somebody who, who I've had nothing but good interactions with, mm. uh, you know, you know, being in the ring with guys like, you know, uh, Jack Swagger or being in the ring with Paul London, or I'm not going to say Savio because I took his championship and made it relevant, but at the end of the day, you know, he is what he is, you know, guys like Conan, you know, there's so many people who I've, you know, been fortunate enough to to meet along the way and and that's all part of the journey and you know i'm sure that there will be many more yeah man and um would you give if you had to give any advice to someone breaking into the business and you could only think of sort of one thing maybe what would you tell them if they wanted to become a I pro wrestler i would tell them to make sure that this is something that they think that they could be successful in because this isn't something to just get into just for the sake of getting into it. It's far too dangerous. Mm. So if you are not somebody who is athletically gifted enough to be a professional wrestler, or if you just lack charisma and you can't talk and you can't articulate, then don't even bother because really 
if you are an uninteresting person or you just have no charisma or anything along those those lines, just don't even bother. I mean, this is just not for you. Um, I don't think that wrestling is for everybody. Major League Baseball is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, NBA is not for everybody. Uh, Major League Soccer is not for everybody. You know, not everything is for everybody. So, um, you know, I would love to pitch for the New York Yankees. I'm, I can't. So, you know, I would just make sure that this is something that you can be successful at and take it seriously because I take this very seriously and everybody who's in pro wrestling takes it very seriously. So that would be my advice. It's why you, know, you are where you are. And I think the consumers like to think they do agree with that because it's tough love, but you know, life isn't a fairy tale. You know, do it if you know you're good at it and you've got the tools to do it. Last question for you today. I know fantasy booking and dream matches aren't really your thing. So I will ask if you were in recruitment mode and you can pick one celebrity you could associate yourself with, who would you pick and why? Mr. Wonderful. Wait, Mr. Are you familiar with are, are you familiar with Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary? No. I feel I feel like a bit of a well, you, well that's okay. Look him up. He is an American investor. He's on the show Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. And if I can have anybody join the dynasty, it would be him. A hundred percent. I'm definitely gonna have to Google him now because I feel like a right prat. But I like the answer. It's something I didn't expect, someone I didn't have a clue about. And uh, I shall Google him. But where can your consumers find you on social media? They can find me at Most Marketable on Twitter and on Instagram. There's the same handle. And just for a little shameless plug, because I never mind doing that, in my link, in my bio, on both of those pages, is the link to my Pro Wrestling T-Store. You can go ahead and buy a T-shirt, because they're very nice and dynastic. You heard him. So thank you for coming on today. Uh, I do believe that you are probably my most marketable guest that has come on What You Call It podcast. For everyone that is currently listening, there will be more coming soon. But for now, stay safe. Thank you.